Yep. 94 degrees outside, sunshine, no rain, nothing coming up. Yep, hockey is in the air. Hey, hi, everybody. How you doing? It's Mick. Yep, taking a foray in here into the world of podcasting. Don't ask me why. I am no Joe Rogan. Don't ever want to be. I'm just a big goofball, oversized 12-year-old, and proud of it. So anyway, welcome here to Cherokee Rewind, where we're taking a different tact with this. Instead of trying to do something that's specifically current, we want to take a chance here and just go down memory lane a little bit, talking hockey, the game we love, and the team we love. But this is not going to be exclusive to just Cherokee alumni. Uh, this is going to be primarily, overwhelmingly, Cherokee alumni and current Cherokee folks as well. As a matter of fact, my guest tonight here is a current Cherokee head coach, GM, and all-around good guy, Mr. One and Only Kenny Miller. And uh, we'll be talking with him in just a moment. But I just want to give you the layout here, what this is going to be about. This is primarily going to, we're just going to go down memory lane, talk about the game we love, tell some memories and stories about things in the past, but also what we look forward to in the future as far as, you know, just life and things like that. We'll have Cherokee alumni. We'll also have from time to time special guests like uh, coaches from other teams that were part of the Central States Hockey League or the 3HL or even it now with the USPHL going on and everything. There's all kinds of uh, things to be talked about and stuff, and we're going to work with that. And so with that said, I'm going to welcome my guest right now, uh, the man. i tell you what, this guy is, you look at the word in the, uh, in the dictionary under the word good guy, this guy, is, his picture's in there. That's Kenny Miller. And, uh, well, Kenny, welcome, buddy. How are you? I'm good, man. I uh, appreciate the intro there. Hey, you know, it's it's been a while, you and I. We haven't talked like this on air with a, with a microphone here in a long time. Uh, not just because of uh, me retiring, but just from the simple fact that you were always just so busy preparing everything and stuff for games, it was tough to get a hold, get you on air. So it's good to have you on here. Um, Kenny, let's talk a little bit here now. What year is this that you're entering in as head coach? Going into our seventh full season. Holy yeah. cow. So seven and a half seasons in. Uh, tell me what, as far as your idea, as far as the state of the game, where it was when you and you and your dad and your brother and all that first came on board, came came around to where you see this game now. Well, <laughs> right now in its current state with everything going on, it's well, a little... Well, that's scary. Yeah, that's, it's a scary, and we're not really sure exactly you know how the season's going to play out for anyone, for that matter, but um, I mean... Obviously, you know that hockey is in our blood, the Miller blood, and we've been a part of it for a really long time. And um, I, I just think the game has grown so much, not not only nationwide, but especially here in, in our area with uh, having, you know, the Ice House and our Gataha program and then across town over there in Sylvania with uh, Small. So, I mean, the game is... I think it's in pretty good shape. Um, I mean, you, you watch the NHL just like I do. It's it, it's it's at an all-time best when it comes to, I mean, n watching it on TV today compared to when I was a teenager is night and day, just from everything from the, you know, the graphics to how the game is played. I mean, there's so much skill, and the guys are so big and so fast, and that just carries on all the way down through the – college ranks you know the minor pros and even into junior hockey and youth hockey i mean you know we our our youth hockey teams train with dan jones at ea sports and they're some of those kids seven eight years old so 
Um, just I just think the game is so much more advanced now than say 20, 30 years ago, and it, it's great for our sport. Well, you know, uh, the other thing, and by the way, we're coming, if you're wondering what all the background noise is, we're coming to you here from uh, Chateau Louise Bar and Restaurant out here in Luna Pier, Michigan. So just uh, right here on the shores of Lake Erie, you can uh, see the uh, the lighthouse from here through the doorway and the windows. You can see the lighthouse right there and the beaches right there in Lake Erie and everything. So it's a beautiful, uh, when we're taping this, it's a beautiful day here, a hot one. But... We're inside here, air-conditioned, and, uh, of course, Chateau with an excellent menu. And uh, if, you, if you like to eat, this is the place to be. So let's talk now here, Kenny, a little bit about where how, your, your beginnings uh, with junior hockey. Because if I remember correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you started in Toledo, but not with the Cherokee. If I remember correctly... The it was the Pittsburgh Force of the North American Hockey League had just won a national championship in the NAHL, and they moved the they transferred and moved the team to Toledo, which became the Ice Diggers, and then it went from Toledo, it moved to Alpena, Michigan, up north, right there in the northern part of the Lower Peninsula, and I believe that is where you come on board, is it not? Um, well, actually. It starts actually a year before that when, uh, at the time the Ice House wasn't open, the uh, uh, group that I was with had started a junior team, and we actually played out of the old Toledo Sports Arena uh, under the name of the Toledo Junior Storm, and we were in the CEHL, which was the Continental Elite Hockey League. And we were in that league for, uh, you, you smile and laugh because you remember that league, right? Oh, yes, I do. So, um, Mike Mankowski was the head coach, and I was actually just the general manager of that team that first year. And the first year, I think we lost one home game at the uh, sports arena. It was in a shootout to Traverse City. So we went undefeated at home, um, ended up moving because the ice came out, moved our playoff games to Tam O'Shanner, and won won the first ever CEHL championship. So that summer, uh, the the group that included my dad had taken over, uh, and, and Lee Ekman had taken over ownership of the Ice House and basically worked tirelessly for hours every day to get that thing ready for ice for the following season, which they did. And we played one, one more year in the CEHL under the Toledo Ice Digger name. And then that lost in the finals that year. And then that sum, the next summer is when they purchased the Pittsburgh Forge and, and had it at the Ice House for a couple of seasons. And just wasn't, you know, at the Tier 2 level, it's a tuition-free based uh, league. So, I mean, don't get me wrong, it was great having it here in Toledo. We had, you know, the likes of uh, when, when the U.S. development team would come in and play at the Ice House. We had the Phil Kessels, the Patrick Kings, the Jack Johnsons were playing on those U-17, 18 teams. So there were some pretty good players coming through there. But from a business standpoint, they just wasn't nobody. We weren't drawing the fans. Could couldn't afford to have it here. Well, so when they, you got minor league hockey here as well, that doesn't. It right. is a minor league town. Let's it be is one hundred percent. I mean, you can tell that with the way the walleye goes now. So they started looking for some uh, alternative, you know, destinations for the team, and and we're on our way to a weekend in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, to play the Indians when we're still in Toledo and. Someone said, hey, uh, actually my dad drove up a day early, stopped in Alpena, checked out that facility, and then next thing you know, within months, 
we had had a deal signed and going to move the team from Toledo to Alpena. And at the time, Mike uh, Mike Mankowski was he was set to be the head coach. He was going to Alpena, and I was going to stay at Toledo and run the ice house, and because I was just uh, his assistant at the time. And he uh, we had an open camp at the ice house, and after camp ended, he said, "Hey, I need to I need to talk to you." Well, he had got offered a Division One college assistant job at Canisius. Yep, I remember that. So the head coaching job uh, had opened up in Alpena. So he says, hey, I think I'm going to recommend to Mike and Lee and your dad that you take that team over. And I said, well, that you you can do that all you want, but we, we're going to have to convince my wife to, <laughs> to, to move to Alpena. And at the time, we had just had our daughter, Kaden, who's now 17 years Good old. Good night. Don't even so, say that. So it was tough. And, and on top of that, you know, a little side story, my mother-in-law was living in Pennsylvania and had just moved back to Toledo to be closer to her daughter and granddaughter. Oh, man. So when I went home and told Stephanie, hey, there's a chance that I might get the opportunity to be the head coach at, at a Tier 2 level, she says, we're, we're not moving. My mom just moved here. So I, I actually went over and spoke with my mother-in-law and had a conversation with her and told her, you know, this is something I want to do. And she was like, hey, it's only four hours, so let's, uh, you know, go for it. So you're right. So then we packed up the family and moved up to Alpena and uh, did four seasons up there. Um, Really tough first year. Uh, Got better the second, and by the third and fourth year, we were winning 30 games a year in that league. And then uh, from there, left, uh, got an offer to go to our division rival, Marquette. So... Packed up the family again, moved further north to the UP and coached up there for a couple years, won a division. Um, so, And then that team got sold, and at that point it was like, okay, hey, it's time to move home. So we came back home here and was out of hockey for maybe nine, ten months and then uh, got asked to take over the Cherokee and um, took it over with the intention of the only way at, at the time, I didn't even know Todd Omi, who, who I'm sure you're going to have on this. Oh, yeah. A, Cherokee legend. He's been around since day one. Um, his son was playing for us when I took the team over. And it, it, it's funny, we always joke about it because my dad, who was kind of running the team at the time, had said, Hey, I want you to coach the Cherokee and I want Todd Omi to be your assistant. I'm like, I don't even know who Todd Omi is. Like, I, I, I just know that he coached here with, he used to coach the Cherokee way back, then he stopped. Now he's coaching his son. And his son was on our team, Kyler. And it's funny because Todd says he, your dad would always come to me and say, hey, I want you to be Kenny's assistant. He's like, I don't even know Kenny. Kenny, how do I know Kenny wants me to be his assistant? And, you know, then we get together and, what, seven years later, he's my right-hand man. And now we bring in Nick Signs and the three of us, you know, work like clockwork. And it's, it's, been, a, it's been quite the ride. And every year I have friends and family ask me when I'm going to quit and when I'm going to be done. And I just... I just keep doing it, and I'll do it as long as Todd and Nick want to do it together. And we have people like Donnie Manders and Carrie Manders and Jay Fravor and you know guys that are part, been part of the program forever. As long as they want to keep doing it, Dan I'll keep Hoffman, doing it. the Doc, yeah, yeah. yeah. Brandy, Brandy, I mean, you name it. Yeah. You know, and the thing is too, what you know, you talk about that. It all begins with uh, the folks at the top. You know, obviously. Guys like uh, the Manders, who I can't say enough good about what they've done, not only to keep the Cherokee going, but keep it going very well. 
and them and Lee Ekman. I mean, all these folks that have been part of it. Obviously, your father, God rest his soul, was, um, I call it the house that sat built. <laughs> I, and I still will. I even tell Lee that, even though I know Lee was an integral part of it and stuff. And back in the day, Mike Ben, I mean, I'm not going to forget anyone. Those guys all had something to do with what uh, is the, the, go, the continuation of Cherokee hockey into the future. And I just, you know, it makes it, it made it that much easier to do games and things like that because of not only those guys, but guys like you, obviously, T.O., Nick, uh, even your brother, Kelly. I mean, th- those guys all have had a hand in what makes Cherokee hockey, and regardless of the level, whether it's juniors or further down the road uh, with the younger ones, it still is what makes it what it is, and that is some, uh, it's a destination spot because people know the heritage of this organization and how what a proud organization it is oh i agree and when you when i seen your post that you were going to be doing this i thought man what what a great idea because it's what 30 uh, 30 some years and i mean you think about it aside from maybe the metro jets um there's not really many junior organizations that have been around as long as the Toledo Cherokee and the, and the Metro Jets. And I think they were, you guys were around before. No, Jets were Jets. here first. Were, were they? Okay. Yeah, Jets were, were, in, were in the loop, the Midwest loop. It was something different. And then uh, I think it became the uh, Central States League in Ernst when everybody, but uh, some of those teams, like the uh, Motor City Chiefs, and I be- I'm trying to remember the Wayne Wheels. Wayne Wheels. They were the, I believe, weren't they the something Royals? I don't know if they were the Wayne Royals or if they were if it was uh, the Bell Tire Royals. But anyway, it was I, all I remember is that it was those guys, and they were they rode the rides for a long time until uh, we they changed and uh, moved everything to the North American Tier Three Hockey League. When the 3HL came into existence, some of those teams kind of went by the wayside and changed locations. Blah blah blah. Well, Metro always stayed through. Started out in Fraser, up at that barn, which, ooh, talk about cold. Are you talking about Lakeland? When yeah, the Lakeland, Lakeland Ice Arena. Yep. Yeah, yeah. They, that thing, they were the Lakeland Jets, I think, when they first started. And the funny part is, is that it was so cold. I'm not kidding. I, I, people laugh and they think, yeah, right. It is true. It would be a really cold winter day up there when we'd go up there for a road trip. It was colder in the rink than it was outside. I believe that it. I mean, I, it was like I'm talking like almost single digits. Yeah, that, it's like that in the ice house sometimes too. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it can get like that. You know, people always come in. My dad used to. I used to always give him a hard time by. He said, "What's the name outside on the sign say?" Ice house. Yeah, that's what it is. It's an ice it's house. A, it's cold, and so I use that now. When uh, like last year, Daryl Noren coached the Columbus Mavericks. It was their first year in the league. He used to come in and complain every every time they came about how cold it was. It's like, yeah, dude, it's, it's, it's an ice house. That's what it is. So, uh, He's, you know, it, the it, thing is, is that he should have. It's too bad that Metro still isn't in Lakeland because if he would have went up there, he'd come here and think it was tropical. Yeah, no kidding. God, it, yeah. I'm not kidding. But Lake, uh, the boys from Lakeland, the Metro Jets, now play out of. Uh, Frazier. Yeah. yeah, I got my my, my t- cities mixed up. A little bit of that. <laughs> it's only English, my mother tongue. What do I know? But uh, just the idea that they play in a beautiful facility now. But uh, the thing is, is that you know, those were those were some of the fun times, and that's what I remember most is just the whether it was the bus rides. Because I remember I took a few uh, CEHL bus rides, 
And I remember the, uh, matter of fact, I remember when it was the Toledo Ice Stickers. I did a few games with Mank. I went and Manko asked me to go and we played in Youngstown before they went to uh, Major Junior. Uh, they were in the league and stuff. And I can remember when he was doing lineups, he had uh, several of the guys that were with the team from the, the CEHL, and he had a line there, and he called them the CEHL All-Stars. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, gosh. I go, Mako, that's mean, man. <laughs> that's just mean. But, uh, you know, I mean, it is what it is. But that's what makes hockey so great, you know, the stories and the camaraderie and the brotherhood and everything. But uh, I want to spend a few minutes, though, talking about uh, the Miller family because, obviously, it is synonymous with the game of hockey. And it all starts with uh, the, the guy who we love and miss dearly, and that is, of course, your dad, Ken Miller Sr., but no one would know who that was because it's plain and simple. We all know him as Sap. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, he started Kelly and I at a young age. I think I started skating. Uh, well, I wasn't. I, I'm four years older than Kelly. It's just uh, the two of us, and I think he put it, we'd go down to the sports arena, and, and I think I might have been you know, six, and Kelly was two. And uh, there was a guy that used to drive the Zamboni down there named Bobby. And then Muggsy took over as we got a little older. And I know my dad would just go down and hang out with them, and, and we would skate. And um, that's where we played our youth hockey was it, at the sports arena until it closed. And then, uh, um, then, then I was playing where teams I was on, we'd have to drive to the icebox in uh, Woodhaven there or Trenton, you know, go up there just to practice and play games. And Kelly was playing over at TAMO, and uh, Dad was coaching him over there. And then, obviously, when we got the when we got the ice house, um, that's when it really took off, and, and Sap became more of the you know kind of the hockey guy around town, and you know, never saying no to anyone when it came to getting on the ice or could I come over and skate. So, uh, he. Well, what he, time was that? What year frame? Oh, I'd say, I think the Ice House has been open now. This will be, I could be wrong, but I think this is the 14th season of having the Ice House, the 14th year. Thereabouts, because we all I remember is we went, to Mon- we went to Monroe for a year. Yeah. And I, I, I uh, uh, quick story. Um, so Todd, Todd Omi was the head coach for, I think he did Monroe two years, right? Wasn't Todd one year up there? Well, I don't know if it was one or two, but I think it, it wouldn't have been more than two. I know that. I know that because then Chris, or, or maybe it was one in, in the year that Chris Varga and Brian Kinsella took over the Cherokee. We were working at the Ice House, still trying to get it ready. We s- still had our junior team that was going to play there, mm-hmm. and they showed up, showed up one day and said, "Hey, what do we got to do to get uh, ice here so we can move the Cherokee from Monroe to uh, back to Toledo?" Because all those years that the Cherokee never had a dressing room. They never nope. had a dressing room at Tamil. They never had a dressing room at Monroe. And, you know, that was their big thing. They wanted to get a dressing room. They wanted to have decent ice time. So we worked out a deal, and that's when they moved over to the ice house. And it has just grown from there. I mean, you've been in that dressing room we have. It's, it's uh, I mean, it's nicer than some pro dressing rooms, you yep. know, with the laundry services and the coaches' offices and the, the dry changing room. So, um, I mean, get, getting off topic of the Miller family, I'm just saying. Oh, that's okay. It, we got all the, the time in the he, world. He, you know, he was a big reason why we were able to get the Cherokee back to Toledo, get, um, you know, all those high school teams playing over there. So, 
you know, we've just been involved in hockey. It's 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 a little strange when you think about it now, when when you're my age and think that, you know, uh, family from East Toledo got into hockey and not only got into it, but you, your dad becomes part owner of an ice rink and your brother plays what 10 or 11 years of minor pro hockey and you've coached junior hockey since you were you know 22 years old and now you're 45 years so we, i mean i would say we did we did okay coming from you know where, where we grew up and, and humble beginnings yeah so you know i mean kenny and we're here with kenny miller uh the coach and gm of the toledo cherokee and uh here on cherokee rewind here coming to you live here from the Chateau Louise restaurant. It's a fantastic restaurant over here. Mark over there behind the bar, tent making sure that. Uh oh, he's getting ready. Once once he punches that clock out, let the bend of the elbow begin. But uh, anyhow, uh, just uh, the idea that you know, able to bring you here and talk about some of the things that have been going on with not only the Cherokee but uh, people that made up the history of the CSHL, the Central States Hockey League. But also, again, just to go back a little bit in time and talk about some of these things, and that's what I really enjoy. And you know, let's talk here a minute. Uh, Kenny about you know we talked about your dad and what a big influence he's been in hockey in Toledo and that to me is his legacy of all the things he did with not only for uh, just kids who couldn't afford to play the game but the idea of I mean Gitaha still firing up good is stronger than ever it really is and uh, the idea of that and the fact that there's another place in Toledo besides Tamil for someone to play hockey you know, a kid that wants to play hockey. You know, and, and again, can't thank Sap, can't thank Lee Ekman, and in the past, thank you to Mike Bitt. Think, you know, just there are plenty of folks that have been part of this. That uh, the Manders, obviously, that goes without saying. Can't can't thank them enough. Yeah, they, they carry is the. Uh, I mean, if if you look at it now, when it comes to our ADM program, our Learn to Skate program, she's got her hands all over that, and she is the reason that we. Um, have the teams that we have there the the littler you know guys. the little guys because she I mean this this is a lady whose son aged out with the Cherokee what he was a ninety two birth year so he yeah. hasn't played in six seven years for the Cherokee now he's our video guy um, you know does our camera for the home games but go back to her her and just being there on Wednesday nights to make sure the ADM is going good Sunday mornings. Um, you know, between her and I running that learn to skate program, and but her doing all that work, and then those kids graduating from learn to skate to then going to the ADM and then going to our travel teams because you know, with the ice house only having one sheet, we can't have house hockey there, so we just have travel hockey. So those kids graduate from ADM and they're you know, they got to attend tryouts. I mean, Mick put put this into perspective i just seen something today on one of the social media sites that the 2012 birth year cherokee are having tryouts 2012 thank you where where i'm recruiting kids that are born uh in the year from the year 2000 to 2003 2004 if they're (laughs) really good and we got 2012 so that those kids wouldn't be playing hockey if it weren't for the people you mentioned but honestly more importantly it's the people that are doing it right now and yep. and and having to learn to skate to learn to play and you know i think i think my dad's looking down on how how that place is right now and how it's being ran and how it's being 
the organization is going, and I know he's smiling. I know he is. Yep, I, I, I couldn't agree more because, again, it, that to me is his legacy, the fact that people want to do this, to be there, to be a part of it, to take care of it and stuff. That's the legacy he left, and I can't pay a bigger tribute to him than that. Uh, now, I want to talk about your brother a little bit, Cal, and I'm going to have him on. I'm going to have everybody on here, sure, but it's, uh, like I said, this is going to be a, a long labor of love, so <laughs> it's going to, you know, I've got a, about, 20 years worth of players to get through too so but uh well let me just say i appreciate being the first guest that, yep. that's an honor yep it is and and, and well, we're honored to have you here so uh kelly is a guy that has tried uh his hand at uh coaching he's played he's done a little bit of everything he's kind of that he's kind of that pocket knife guy the guy <laughs> i mean he, he was blessed with crazy speed uh very quick that's what got him to being able to uh, be able to play for that long in pro hockey at the minor league level and uh, just a guy who I'll tell you what he was always fun to watch because he always was uh, he was a feisty character yeah um, it's, it's ironic that I like I'm going into my seventh year coaching at Cherokee and I can remember back when he was a younger kid and and those guys were recruiting him to play for the Cherokee and um, fortunately for him, he was able to bypass the Junior B uh, route and go right to, you know, Tier 2, whether it would be the USHL or the North American League. But um, he could. He could skate. And I think he'll admit to you, you know, if you sat here today with us, he, he didn't, uh, if he would have put the work in in the weight room and done the off-ice stuff, he could have probably even played at a higher level than what he did because he had, he like you say, he could skate like the wind. Um, he was gritty. He was tough. Uh, and he, he, you could tell that even now when he coaches. He coaches that way. And um, I think when you're, when you're a coach, one of the biggest compliments you can get is when uh, somebody's parent that you coach their kid tells you, you know, what a great practice coach you were you know how you ran a practice how how you made their kids better and I, I listen to Donnie Manders talk around the ice house all the time and he mentions how you know Ke Kelly probably runs one of the best practices you know out there when it comes to teaching in practice and, and making guys do things the right way and don't cheat yourself and um, you know, I mean, even though he is my little brother, I've tried to tried to take that to, to where, you know, we're at. And it's, I mean, it's not hard to do at our level because guys want to get better. And you got guys like myself and Todd and Nick holding them accountable. But he, he you know, back to Kelly, he, he knows what he's doing out there when he's running a practice. And that, I think that comes from the crazy amount of coaches he played for because he played for so many teams especially during his pro career and you could pick up from that you know there's I mean I'll, I'll tell you there's still drills today that I run that uh, when he was playing whether it be junior hockey or minor pro hockey when he was in the ECHL or the Southern Pro League or wherever he was at and my dad and I go watch him play on a weekend we always tried to get there early on Friday to go to their morning skates and I just remember a few drills here and there so I mean when you play for that you know that long and you played for that many different teams and coaches you you learn a thing or two from them and you can carry that over into the the kids that you're coaching now and now he's coaching the 07 birth year Cherokees and 
you know, hopefully they have a good season and he, you know, can can make those players better because eventually those guys will be at the age where, you know, if, if Todd and Nick and I are still around, uh, we'll be coaching them one day. Yep, that's all you can ask for. Well, you know, um, want to spend a couple of minutes, of course, talking about, you know, obviously one of the reasons that you're able to, we're able to do all these things is the fact that your wife had to be a real trooper and be willing to uh, put up with you saying in the story you told about when you first went to Alpena. My goodness, I don't think that my better half would even think twice. She would say, if you go, don't come back. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, she has. I mean, think about it. We, we, you know, we just have Kate and our daughter who's 17. She'll be a senior next year. And that was always the running joke with me was, when Caden was old enough to start dating the players I was coaching, I was getting out. Yeah. That's what I was going to do. Well, that was, what, two, maybe a year or two ago, depending. And I just keep going. And, um, you know, I don't even, like, she's, Steph is super supportive when it comes to letting me, not letting me, but she, you know, I have her she, blessing she, to coach. She don't even, you know, we don't even talk at the end of the season about are we going to do it next year or anything. It's just kind of a running thing that you know just she's called, she's called she's got your back yeah and she just i mean she lets you know she, she i do my thing when it comes to the hockey whether it's going out recruiting or you know being on the road and and she, like she's she's the one that especially when especially when i was doing it full time for a living in alpina and marquette you know we moved to an area where we don't know a lot of people and when you're coaching in those cities, you got a lot of overnight trips because the travels, uh, you know, far. So she's she's home taking care of Caden, and she's, you know, making sure everything's done at the house while I was coaching. And then come summertime, I could help out a lot. With the Cherokee, it's a little different. You know, we're practicing three to four days a week right after uh, work, and so home by seven o'clock at night and there's not very many overnight trips so um, I try not to miss too much of Caden's dance Um, there are some times where I have to miss out on some things but for the most part when you're coaching at this level you can you can you can make things and you can be around and make sure that you're you know taking care of things at home and I mean they've both been very supportive of it they they don't miss many games uh, I know Caden has not missed a game in a while unless she has dance or something. And, you know, they're, they're, they're like I said, both both in it with me. And, uh, you know, I appreciate that for sure. Well, Kenny, uh, tell me about, in, in your time with the Cherokee, what have been some of the more interesting things you've come across that you've discovered about, uh, I guess, Cherokee hockey as opposed to other places? Has there been any nuances or or things that you see that are different that, uh, than anywhere else? No, I, I was, when I was driving here today, I, I know that this was a Cherokee Rewind, and one, one of my first, uh, I'll go back to like one of my first memories of the Cherokee. I, I know Todd was a part of the coaching staff, but I didn't know him at the time. The Cherokee was hosting nationals at Tamil Shanner. Oh, yeah. That and, was my uh, second year. Okay. No, that was my first year. I'm thinking that um, at the time, Mike LeMay was a goalie. Uh, if he wasn't a goalie, I know. No, that, he was. Uh, he had aged out already. Okay, I know Jason Reniger was on that team. Yeah, right? he was on the Yeah, he was on the first year. Defenseman number yep, two. Number two, yep. See? And, and I was younger because Jason's a little bit older than me, I think. Or I might have been around that age. But I remember being at Tamil watching the Nationals and uh, – 
man, there were so many people there. So many people came out. And I just went to one game. I, I know I wasn't little by any means. I was probably the same age as those guys that were playing. But that, that's like one of my first memories. And then you had mentioned Mike Ben, um, his son Dane had played for the Cherokee years later. I think when Todd was the head coach yep. after Scott. And uh, I remember going out to Tamo and watching them and then kind of lost track of it for a while with me going to, um, you know, Alpina and Marquette and then getting to come back and, and get into it was was good. And, and I'm, But as far as like this... I mean, we talked earlier about the game changing and that, and the players have changed. Like, you know, just just in the sense of it's weird because some of the kids are really all in where they'll do whatever it takes to get to that next level. And you got other guys that are just, they're just there to play, you know. I don't want to grow up yet. So, um, I mean, we've. I think we've done a pretty good job as far as moving guys on. I think we've done a pretty good job as far as how we run our organization. We're, very, you know, we're, I would say we're we're very organized. Um, you know, we try to get as much uh, media attention as we can, even though it's tough because it is a minor league hockey town. But um, I, I don't know if I can really tell you. There's you know one specific thing that I've seen with them. As far as like with, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess for me the thing that I've noticed as far as with the Cherokee that's different than most is you you come across I've come across anyway just in talking to him because I'm not the coach I'm not uh, I'm not the GM I'm not an owner I'm not somebody that is uh, quote unquote in authority with the program or anything the only thing I notice is when I from my time there was that I always there was always you could always count on finding about two three guys two three four guys that they took pride in being at that level you know because a lot of guys they it's like yeah it's great but I want to move on I want to move on I want to move on you would you would come across some guys who they knew their skill set might be a little bit limited but they still took the pride in wearing that Indian head Oh, yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. I mean, you could go down the list. There was, you know, let, let's start with uh, the most recent, like a guy like Anthony Weinrich. Yep. Four years. Played four years for the Cherokee. And, you know, never once was complained about playing at this level. Just enjoyed playing hockey. Um, go back, you know, to, to the Kyler Omi. Kyler, his, with his group. Kyler Omi came to us and said, hey, I'm going to play till I age out, and then my goal is to be a fireman, and yeah. that's what he is. You know, um, you look at Tristan Snyder. Yeah, Tristan Snyder, uh, David Bogart, Tyler yeah. Zalecki, Austin Turner. All those guys played four years for the Cherokee. Blake Mullins played four yes. years. You know, so though, if you notice, I'm sure you probably do, but other people don't, but if you notice, uh, guys like David Bogart, who played four years, Number two, nobody wears number two. Tyler's Lecky, number 10, nobody wears number 10. Uh, 18, Austin Turner, nobody wears 18. 41, Tristan Snyder, nobody wears 41. You know, so we haven't officially done anything with it. Just when we bought the new jerseys, I told Mo we're not going to get those numbers because, you know, those guys, they, at least while we've been a part of it, they, they were the ones that kind of built where we're at right now, going from, 
you know, that, that year w with the 95 birth out, age out year, they, you know, won 30 something games. And then we struggled for two or three years. And then, you know, went from two seasons ago winning 12 games to last year winning 31. You know, this year we're recruiting a team that we think will. We want to we want to recruit a team that wants to play at nationals. So, I mean, those are the guys that kind of built our regime when we started coaching together. And hopefully, you know, five ten years down the road, we can be talking about another group of players that helped us get to the next level. So. Do it kind of like the uh, Maple Leafs do. They don't retire numbers, but they hang numbers up as to honor the career of of the, of the players. Yeah, you know, they just. Uh, that you can still play in those numbers, but they still have those numbers up in the rafters of those certain players. Yeah, and I mean, and I, I mean, we're a tier three junior team. We don't, I don't expect us to put names and numbers in the rafters, but those—that's just our way of showing respect to those guys that came to the rink every day, and you know, for four years. And I always talk about how junior hockey, and especially at the tier three level, when I'm recruiting a kid, is like, listen, you got to understand the commitment it takes to play juniors, and it doesn't matter if it's tier three, tier one, tier two, because you're going to miss, if you're in high school, you're going to miss homecoming, you're going to miss prom, you're going to miss high school dances, you know, you're going to miss being able to go out with your girlfriend on a Saturday night to the movies, because you're going to be playing, you know, and you're, you're going to be practicing every day, so it's a real commitment. And for those guys to do it for four years, you know, um, like I said, it, it that, that's impressive. Yeah, I can't agree more. Well, Kenny, before we wind her up here, um, just uh, talk about where you see, what you see as far as the future for Cherokee hockey uh, as, 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 a, as a brand, as a product, but also your role in it. Uh, obviously, as the bench boss and the GM, you know, that's pretty much, you know, what it is. It is what it is. But, I mean, in terms of um, trying to grow the organization, uh, trying to uh, keep it successful, yeah, things like that, what, what do you see? Well, I just, I mean, I think let, let's just go to, like, the, the first part of your question with, you know, where do I see the Cherokee? Like, we, we need to, one, one of the best I have been saying this for 14 months, but one of the best things we did since Todd and I took over coaching was hire Nick Signs. I mean, this guy is a workhorse when it comes to recruiting and getting players to come play for us. You know, um, I always joke, Nick is on his phone 24-7. Like, to the point when we play golf together, you got to tell him, put your phone down, it's time for you to hit. <laughs> but I know he's probably texting or doing something with a possible recruit so it's kind of hard to get mad at him but this guy has you know we i mean we we went from 12 wins two years ago to 31 last year and and he knows it's not all because of him but he's got a big part of why we did i mean our numbers are good you know we're sitting here what july 2nd and we have 21 players committed for next season already we haven't even had tryouts yet so i think we're going in the right direction as far as kids wanting to stay home and play in Toledo and I think the more we win and the more guys we move on we had Matt Gilbert go to he's going to play division three hockey next year out east we got a handful of guys that are going to play ACHA division one club hockey 
So I think the more kids we can get moved on, the more local kids will want to stay home and play for the Cherokee. You're going to get the, you know, the, the kids that are going to play Tier 1 and Tier 2, which is great, but the, we'd like to keep the Tier 3 guys in our area. We don't want to see them playing somewhere else Tier 3. So I think we're doing a good job with that, convincing kids to stay home. And I just think as an organization, we just got to keep, keep winning and keep moving kids on and keep making it fun for them to come to the rink every day. And I think last year was a big, you know, we keep talking about how we tried to change the culture from those last three or four years where we weren't winning. And, and once we started losing, guys were just okay with it. Where last year we lost 12 games and guys were pissed off after we lost. So we just got to continue to keep getting better, everything. And then I think from a, from a, I wouldn't call it a business standpoint, but from a development standpoint, we just need to make sure our guys are skating with the youth hockey teams and, and showing the youth kids that, hey, it's cool to play for the Cherokee. So as they get older, they want to play. And that'll just help us down the road, you know, when it comes to recruiting and keeping those kids here. Well, let me ask you then one other thing here. Uh, hockey in Northwest Ohio, it has the, the development of it, from uh, having only one, maybe two good teams and then nobody else to what it is now where it has seen growth in multiple teams, not just before it was always just uh, either Northview or St. Francis. Mm -hmm. And now it is, you're seeing other teams starting to improve. You're seeing the lakes of the world, Anthony Wayne, Perrysburg, they're Maumee. They're all trying to, you know, take it up to that next level and start to get, you know, the more, they're starting to get more kids interested in playing hockey. Uh, What does that say for as far as, uh, uh, I guess, not only for your uh, job in terms of recruiting, but just about the fact that, Hockey has gotten so much bigger and better in Northwest Ohio. No, I agree. It, it makes it it makes it easier for us to recruit if we can get a kid from Anthony Wayne. Last year we had Zach Knapp who played with us prior to high school starting. You know he's an Anthony Wayne kid. Um, we, we're gonna we're gonna have kids. I would expect at our tryouts from all all those schools at least one. And if if one of those kids can make our team, great. Um, you know I think. Like you said early on, it was just either Northview, St. John's, or St. Francis. Yep. Those were the three. You know, occasionally Finley would throw in a team there. BG's back now, so I think it's good for the area. And then you look at, um, you know, you, you look at this year in in the NHL draft. We have Mitch Miller, who possibly could go. Tanner Dickinson, um, the Schoen kid, Ben Schoen, who's at Youngstown. So they're definitely developing players in this area. I mean, we have a we have a lot of kids. Brendan Fury's playing out. At, at uh, Minnesota State, I mean, we we have a lot, and we have kids I think that are with us, or have been locally that played for us that are just as good, uh, or are good enough to play at those higher levels. They just need a break, and I mean, you know, I just think that the, the state of hockey in Northwest Ohio is really good, and I think it all, also I think it starts with the coaches at the lower levels. You know, um, at the youth hockey level, if you look at the guys that coach at the Ice House, you know, the Jimmy Kozlowski's, the Kevin Omis, he was a coach on the Cherokee staff. Um, You go through it, Kelly's over there. We talked about him. Kelly Um, Kester. Yeah, Kelly Kester's there, Kelly Miller. Then you go over to Tamo, and you got the guys like Perillo and and Manko and um, Derek Booth, all these guys that have played pro hockey. So our, our coaching in this area is real good. And, I mean, that can only help, you know, because 
We, I think there's going to be some changes coming in hockey where guys aren't going, especially youth hockey guys, aren't going to be able to go north, um, you know, to play AAA hockey as much or go, you know, leave home to go play because of everything going on right now. And also, you know, with everything going on, I think some of the uh, associations and districts, if you will, like Maha and Mid-Am, are, might be possibly changing some things up. So that's just going to make it even stronger here in, in Northwest Ohio for, for hockey. Well, that's about all you can ask for, I tell you. Well, you know, the other thing, too, is, um, you know, I look at it from a standpoint of, uh, you know, obviously it's the greatest game that in, on the planet. Um, let me ask you a couple of questions before we call it a, a night. Uh, growing up, I'm presuming you were, well, obviously, you were a Toledo fan, of whether it be the Gold Diggers or the Storm, et cetera. But who did you follow growing up in the NHL? Well, I was a Red Wings fan, but it, it's funny because when I was little, um, my dad used to stay up late on Saturday nights and watch Hockey Night in Canada, and he always, he was a big, big Wayne Gretzky fan, like huge. like, And so we would stay up and watch the second half of the doubleheader uh, double uh, and, and, and watch Wayne Gretzky, but I was always a Red Wings fan with Iserman. I can remember, I mean, I was grown. We were sitting in a... Uh, local watering hole watching the wings play the flyers in what would have been game four of that first stanley cup and after the second period i told my wife my dad and my mom we have to leave during the second intermission because there's i do not want to be seen in this bar crying when steve eiserman picks that cup up so we actually drove home so i was always a big red wings fan obviously things haven't gone well for us then but one of the first jobs I had in hockey once I stopped playing I, uh, before I even started coaching was Pat Pillipute gave me uh, the opportunity to, to do the music at the Toledo Storm Games. Wow. So I thought, wow, what? I don't even know how to do it. And he's like, oh, it'll be easy. We had a big box computer and we downloaded a bunch of songs and put them into play. Like nowadays it'd be so easy, right? Yeah. Um, but back then you had to put them all into playlists and I thought, if I can do the music, it gives me an opportunity to sit up in that press box. So I got to sit up in the press box at the sports arena and look down and watch the entire game and then just click music when the whistle blew. And it's funny because I, I got a chance. Do you know, obviously, you know Steve Junga. Yeah. Uh, Steve sat next to me for, I think I did it for three seasons, and he sat right next to me. He he's an East Side guy yep. um, who I still see to this day out at the golf course. He'll come out and visit us on Wednesday nights. And um, but I was a young kid back then, got a chance to do music. So I was, I really followed the Storm back in the days when they were uh, winning the Riley Cup. And but from an NHL standpoint, Red Wings. Yep. Now, who was your favorite player growing up? As far as uh, who you looked up to? Steve Eiserman, one hundred percent. I got to do anything for. For his team, I mean, early on, you look at him. He was a uh, he was a guy who was all offense. And then when um, Scotty Bowman came in and they threatened to possibly trade him, and he changed the way he played, became one of the best two way players in the game. I mean, hell, he won that one Stanley Cup on one leg, basically. So he, he's a guy that anybody could look up to. And then you see him now you know, running how he did Tampa and now running Detroit. And just last week they have the best chance of getting that draft lottery and they come in fourth. 
Yeah, I see you put. I'm your still, hand. I'm still well, mad about that. Okay, but what did he say? We're gonna get a good prospect at number four. You never know what you know. You never know what you're gonna get. So he, he's optimistic. And I mean, if you can, you know, if you can run an organization half as good as that guy has, you know, I mean, obviously he had a tough first year in Detroit, but what he did in Tampa. I think I think we'll be okay down the road. I hope you're right, man. You're more optimistic than I am, but who? Uh, I don't know. That's just that's that's still a sore spot with me. Anyhow, Kenny. Um, all right. Before we call it, we'll say goodnight with this. Um, what uh, do you have any questions for me? I guess I should ask that. Yeah. What? Um, <laughs> I have a couple of them. Okay. So one is. Do you, do you actually know how many Cherokee games you called? Like, do you have a, the number? No. Someone told me it was like, I think it was like something in the neighborhood of about 1,100. Yeah. It's something like that. But I never, I, honestly, I never kept count, never gave it a thought. Uh, I just, uh, it wasn't until I started doing home games only near the end uh, that I, during football season, I, I, you know, there was, there was conflicts there because I was doing television for uh for football and uh, and it would fall on game night so from time to time i would get either mitch jensen or every now and then if i could uh corral uh who you have now the one the only mr zeke fravor <laughs> uh to cover for me and uh you know i would uh i would do that but i mean there were i missed a lot of, i missed weddings i missed all kinds of stuff when when i first start went from the first probably 15 years because of uh, the fact that we were on the road, you know, and everything like that. And, I mean, there were times where I drove out in the national championship season. I flew out for the championship game on my own by myself. Oh, I know. You use your little tape deck to... Yeah, uh, and I, I used a fax machine yeah. to broadcast <laughs> on, uh, on the ticket, uh, the local station here. I ended up broadcasting through a fax machine. But, uh, I mean, it's kind of what makes hockey what it is oh, right but. and you you just mentioned you miss weddings you miss all those kind of things and that's what goes back to me saying earlier when you recruit these kids and you tell them the commitment it takes and look those guys are playing and you're you, you know you're just as big a part of what they do on the ice is what you do there i mean up in the broadcast booth one of my first memories of you is we when i first came on midway through that season we took a trip to pittsburgh and I'm like, where, where is Mick at? Where, like, where, I, the game's getting ready to start. I'm like, where is he broadcasting from? And you were on top of like a building. Yeah, in basically. The far corner. I was over uh, in the corner yeah. up there, and it was like they had. I mean, you couldn't even see one side of the rink. I had to make it up in the corner, right. the far corner, and in the and it actually the right below me in the corner below me. You could not see it because of the way they had the overhang built. You couldn't see the corner. So I, let's just say I had to embellish and improvise quite a yeah, bit. Yeah. You know, I figured I'm painting the story. Boy, am I going to use a lot of paint. But uh, that's what I did. I mean, I can, I can, I mean, you'll hear this later on uh, when I talk to guys like Omi and, and, uh, and uh, what do you call them? Uh, Kirk. Uh, Ludwig. Ludwig. Yeah, Luddy. You know, things like that. Some of the fun, funny stories that we did. I can remember us going into Cincinnati when Cincinnati was in the league. And I'm not kidding. You talk about not having a locker room. They didn't have a locker room for us to use. You, they literally took a, a clothesline, put it across in the corner, and would put sheets, hang sheets over it, 
and that was the locker room no for the visiting team. Yep, stuff like that. I mean, there were some great, great stories out of that. And like I said, we'll touch on that. But uh, what other questions did you have? All right. The, the one I want to ask most about was how, how surprised, duped were you last year at the uh, – the annual SAP game when uh, when you got that award, hook, line, and sinker, and, and and to be honest, I mean, I really didn't. When you told me when you first came to me that saying it was going to be Omi, I was like, great. I'm like, he deserves it. He is so um, deserving of it. I hope it's a big deal because it should be for him because of all he's done for this team. I mean, literally over the years, he's given uh, so much to this team out of his heart and. I was, like, so happy for him. But now, and again, now I'm doing this in the standpoint of I don't want you feeling sorry for me. I don't want no old poor Mick or none of that. Zero. I was going through, I'm been, I'm still going through being treated for cancer. Yep. And so, honestly, I was going through some stuff, getting some stuff prepared uh, for some testing and things and whatnot. So that's what I was thinking about. I mean, I was like, okay, I'm going to go present it to him and things like that. And I thought, you know what, I'll think if I, they need me. I, I had emailed or uh, messaged on, uh, on social media uh, some of his former coaches <laughs> saying, can you give me some stories, you know, so I can. Uh, and I even got Jack Behan out of St. Louis. I got Jack. I'm like, can you tell me a couple of stories? And some of those I couldn't even repeat, but they were very funny. Anyhow, so I'm, I got these stories, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to tell a couple things real brief when I get out there and, you know, to pay homage to T.O. And so I didn't give it a thought. And then the day before the award, I'm in a car wreck. I get hit. A girl turns in front of me while I'm going through a light and hits me and totals my car. So, I mean, honestly, all that stuff was, like, through my head. I had, like, not to sound disrespectful or anything, but hockey was not the, was kind of the furthest thing from my mind. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I was doing stuff, getting another vehicle so that I could go do whatever. And um, I'm thinking, oh, crap, I'm supposed to go present that thing to T.O. tonight. I came this close to pulling out because my better half, she's from Kentucky, and one of her very close relatives passed away that week, and I was going to go down for the funeral. I was all set to do it and say, sorry, you know, can you get somebody else? And then she told me not to because of something she made up something because she was in on it yeah, yeah so she put me up to like not doing <laughs> not going so i was like okay so since i didn't go and especially because i got into the wreck that stopped me cold from going so i was like okay well i'll go and i'll do this thing with to and i'll stay for the face off spend a few minutes saying hi and then leave that was my plan well i run into a few people that i know like uh, our old team doc, who also happens to be my best friend, Todd Leslie. He was, uh, he was the team doc when we were in Monroe. Anyway, I see his wife. And so I'm going, you know, what are you doing here? <laughs> and she goes, well, and, and it's a true story that her, uh, her daughter at the time was interested in a guy that played, uh, I think, uh, I don't know if it was 07s, but he was only like 14 years old. And he played in the Cherokee organization. He was playing pre-post, I think. Or no, not pre-post, but he was playing with he was playing with TC. Anyway, so uh, he the, he was coming up to I think it was pre-post. He came up to see a game, and he practiced. She said that he practiced with the team just to see what it was like. And he's because he was from Finley, he's uh, playing for Finley during the regular season. So I was like, okay, that makes sense. I didn't give it a second thought. 
Then I run into a couple other guys, and I'm like, okay, they're here for T.O. Well, one of them was there, and it didn't click in my head until after, and that was Ryan Richmond. Richie was, he was a dunk uh, kid and wasn't with T.O. So I th- I'm like, I didn't think about it until after. I was like, okay, now it makes sense because he didn't play for T.O. We tried to keep those guys away from from you, like uh, uh, his name escapes me now, the – the Mike Robertson? No, the one young kid that's caddying on the LPGA. Oh, tour. Josh Williams. Josh Williams, right. He shows up, and he's wearing a suit, and he's in I the dressing room, and I'm like, what, you can't, first of all, you can't be back here, because if Mick comes, he, he knows you didn't play you didn't play for T.O., so he's like, I'll get out of here just in time, and he, he hid, he hid until it was over. Um, yeah, so it was, it was, uh, yeah. And, and so, yeah, so like I say, hook, line, and sinker, I had no clue. So when I went out there, I'm thinking, okay, they're doing all this talking. What the heck am I going to say? You know, so it's like, all right, am I just going to, okay, you're going to give me the words. It's like, it's like we're going to do a little chain here. Okay, pass it over to me. I'm going to pass it to him. Yippee. And then when that happened, it was like, oh, crap. Yeah. Well, I have to, one, apologize to you because you had asked me. I was obviously trying to get everything ready. And pull off the ultimate, you know. Swindle? Yeah. And you had said, hey, do you need me to say, you know, do you need me to talk or whatever? And I said, no, don't worry about it. Uh, Bill's got it covered. He's got everything he needs to say about Todd. You're just going to pass the award on to him. Oh, so, well, yeah, you got I apologize me. For no that. Need, no, you don't have to apologize. And then, uh, the, the thing is, when we decided, like right away, when we had our SAP game meeting and we decided that you were going to be this year's recipient of it um todd's like how do we get him here i said i don't know let me think on it for a little bit so i think it was a couple days later i called todd and i said i got it i said we'll just we because obviously you're going through what you're going through you're not really feeling like showing up to a cherokee game in february and so i said the only way we could probably get him here is to tell him you're getting the award and he's going to present it and he's like brilliant that's what we need to do it was we pulled it off and i mean a lot of special people have won that whether it be brandy um mo Mo. yourself and there's so many more people that can win it and probably will during our time but um i was just as excited for you as as you were and you you cried like a little baby yes i did cried like a baby i'm not ashamed to admit (laughs) it man i mean because 20 years go through your mind in an instant and it's like it just you know you think when you're doing when you're in the middle of it of the grind you, you're thinking oh man i just want to get this over with if it's not a successful season or if it's uh, i just want to get to the playoffs i just come on let's just do this come on you think all this crap in your head while you're going through it right but when you have the time to look back at it it's like it goes by in a flash yeah and you don't you don't realize how many lives you come across, so I'm like going, oh man, and so it just it was just a whole tidal wave of emotions. I was thinking, I wish my better half was there, and I was like, I wish my old man was here. You know, if he was still alive, he I wish he would have been here, because he never ever ever saw me broadcast a game. He was never at a game I broadcast. Okay, ever. Now no. part granted, part of the time he lived down south. He was in he was a Texas guy. Yeah. But when he came up here, you're already uh, done. He, uh, no, he was when he came up here. He passed away in 2005, uh, and uh, so when he came up here in 2001 or two, he never went to a game. 
So, uh, you know, it was like he was, he was not a hockey guy at all. So, and, and so, you know, you think about those things and everything like that. But, you know, I just told myself, you know what, he's, he's probably having a laugh with Sap right now, smiling. <laughs> You know, just looking down, going those those kids. Yeah. You know, but uh, that's that's what went through my head was that, and again, just and it was like, it was funny. Also, I see all these people waving like nuts across the ice, and it's my family, my sister, my brother-in-law, my nephews, and stuff. A few other people there, and then I see my best friend who I'd seen his wife prior to the game. I see them all there, and I'm looking. I'm like, it's like I I was just like it was like it was surreal. I was like I wasn't there. I was watching it, and I'm like wait what are they doing here and stuff like that so i waved back and it dawned on me when i heard my name called i was like oh crap and so because they never been to a game either that i broadcast they had never been to a game and so to actually do that on the day i get when i'm not broadcasting and i'm getting that and then again when you guys outdid yourself I mean, that's what caused me to lose it was the unveiling of the press box uh, yeah. named after me. That, I mean, it brought me down. I mean, you talk about a humbling experience. See your name up like that. It, I, you know, it's like I, I appreciate the fact that people think that I'm worthy of that, but and I, it's like I have to live with myself every day and look in the mirror, and I'm sitting there going, if they knew you the way no, you know you, <laughs> it is. But uh, it's just you know you just it's just one of those real humbling experiences that, and and it just makes you want to all the more pay it forward. I mean that re- that's why I'm doing this is doing this with the podcast is because I want to be able to say thank you to you to all the folks that I'll have on here whether they be coaches whether they be players uh, stuff like that. I I had such a ball doing broadcasting the game that I love, getting to act like a 12-year-old behind the microphone and get to do that and get, you know, fired up and excited because it was a game night. And, I mean, it was, it's my all-time favorite sport, that and football. But still, I mean, it's usually like that, you know, just bear, uh, just a nudge ahead of football. I'm a big hockey guy. And uh, so I could not have been more grateful I mean that's the, that's the thing. If you go in, you get into this, what you put out of it. When Chris Renniger said, "Hey," or actually before Chris Renniger, a guy by the name of Rich Osterhout, I knew him from Toledo Hospital because we both worked there. I was an orderly at the time, and he worked in the anesthesia department. And he was just he was uh, with the with the team, and he's like, "Yeah, we're trying to find a, a play-by-play guy, I think, and uh, we're just." Uh, and I'm like, "Dude, I just I." went to broadcast school i you know i said hey i'll take a stab at it he goes well we got games this weekend so why don't you i'm like okay i had never honestly i'd never heard of the team i saw them back then they used to put the scores in the uh in the scoreboard section of the newspaper so i saw a couple of uh, boxes score boxes and i'm like okay so that showed that they were going to be there on a sunday i don't remember who they were playing i think it was st louis or somebody anyway so i walk into tamo and, I, and they're pumping the music really loud. And I think it was something off of Jock Jams. And it tells you how old we are. Yeah. Uh, Jock Jams was just coming out. And I was like, wow. This t- I mean, this was like the NHL to me. You were it was, I was hooked. And, I, and so I go up into the stands. And I see John Renniger doing camera. And I see Dr. Rod McCarthy. I see Dr. Rod McCarthy up there doing play-by-play. And, of course, now Rod is a huge – he's an optometrist here, and he's a huge hockey fan, obviously being the owner of the Cherokee back then, one of them. Uh, 
it was so funny. I would listen to him, and he would be doing the play-by-play, and he had one of those uh, lavalier mics, one of those things that you, you clip onto your, your suit. Well, he would hold it in his hand and hold it to his mouth. And so the problem was with him was because back then we were doing everything straight to VHS, send the play-by-play out to scouts with the video when they, for kids that were, wanted to be recruited. And mm-hmm. o, most of the time it was just Omi watching the tapes himself. And, you know, I'm over here and he just laugh at me. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, uh, it was him and Scott. Anyhow, so I'm doing the play, or uh, Rod is doing the play-by-play. But the problem was, was he was always getting so excited and, and going nuts because if, like, something went on in a corner or something, a big hard body check, and he's like, they thought he should have been a penalty, he'd start, like, he'd start, like, getting mad and yelling at the officials to not, you know, they should be calling that or they should do, you missed the offside. And, 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 and I think he even swore a couple times. And Rod doesn't swear. But uh, he, he kind of, you know, he'd be get, he was just so into it that he couldn't focus on doing what he was supposed to be doing. So I introduced myself to him and then to Chris, and then, uh, you know, so I just said, you know, if you need me to, I said I'd be willing. And he's like, here you go. <laughs> he handed it right over. He handed it right over, him and Chris. And Chris is the one that said, you know, I think he should, uh, you know, he should come back and be our guide, right, you know, for all our home games. And then uh, it started as that. And then when we, that was the next year we won the national championship. And the Internet was just taking off. And so that's when I ran into Mike Bin. And uh, he helped his Dane was just playing with us. He just his first year with us, so we got hooked up with a a, pl- a place that is now known as Toastnet here in the community, an internet company, and they helped me get set up with doing a uh, doing play by play on the internet. With I was using Chris Renegar's AOL account. Yeah, the old dial up. The old dial up. <laughs> so yeah, eight kilobits per second, baby. <laughs> But it worked, and I would uh, I would put all the games up on a web page so you could go back and listen to them, and that's how we started. And it was all those guys. And I'm not kidding. I used to I like it, especially back then. Games used to get delayed, like for if the game before went into overtime. It, so I had one time I had like about I had a scheduled game time of 7:30. I think we we're in Chicago, 7:30 local time, and eight o'clock or um, we didn't get started till about 8:20. So I literally, I'm sitting there going over the uh, rosters. I grabbed Dana, uh, Dana Bin. Put her on. I put her on, talking about her brother and stuff like that. <laughs> Just and she, I give her credit, man. She killed about like 15, 20 minutes for me. And so I mean, I would grab anybody I could find. I grab opposing players, whatever. And that's, you know, but that's, it was just trial and error. Right. You know, right. you had to make it work. I did play-by-play in Cincinnati from a picnic bench. You don't make that stuff up. No, not know? at the junior level. I mean, and now you look and see how far it's come. Now we got hockey TV. Like, I can go home tonight and watch every game from last year on hockey TV. Yep. Um, when the whole pandemic hit, uh, there's nothing, no sports on TV. Caden and I, one night, she says, uh, Dad, what do you want to watch? I say, oh, you want to watch an old Cherokee game? Yeah, you know what? I missed game one of the Columbus playoff series. So we sat in at our house just, what, the end of March, whenever it was, and, and watched the Cherokee-Columbus game, game one of the playoffs this past year. So, I mean, you couldn't do that back then when, when you started. Yeah, you know? no question so about it, man. So. It's come a long way. Yes, it has. Just well, like we were talking earlier about how the game has come such a, such a long way. My last question for you is, and I know Zeke would be up for this, is there, uh, is there a chance that we could maybe get Mick to uh, come in and, and call a game or jump on air with him next year? And Consider it done. All right. 
I appreciate I, I it. I are you kidding? My loyalties to that team and to you guys. That's the one thing I told your dad. I'll never forget this. We were sitting in a bar, and it was just when he told me he wanted to do it where I'm just every, all the teams are doing home games, so he didn't mean, need me to go on the road anymore. And I think he thought I was going to be angry and upset and everything. You were happy. I, I was, remember that. I, was, I, was I, I said, Sap, I'll buy you a beer. <laughs> and uh, so he was like, well, he goes, and then I go, I, I go I'm go, i not drinking. I go, I got I to gotta do radio in the morning, blah, blah, blah. He said, well, be sure to talk about us. I said, Sap, I said, the one thing I will always be to you, your family, and to the family here at the Ice House, I am eternally loyal and grateful. I don't take it for granted what you guys did for me because I couldn't have gotten where I got and have gotten without on the shoulders of you guys. Yeah, but so on, that's that's what it was, and so all that's why I say thank you when I tell you those things. I mean them. I, I know you do, but and those are the things that that I hold near and dear to me because that's you know whenever someone you know get presents me an award like the SAP award or other other things, I just go back to sitting on a picnic bench. I go back to uh, weaving telephone wire through uh, sixty feet of pipe. Trying to go from downstairs to upstairs through a fa- hooked up to a fax machine so that I could uh, access the AOL account. I mean, I did as weird things as you can imagine broadcasting to try and get the show or the broadcast out. And I re- uh, those are the things I remember first. I don't remember the oh I did such a great job calling this game or I really sucked at that game. No, I remember the fun I had and the things that the other people that helped me get there. That's well, I I'll say this in ending you. If you, true testament of what people think of Mick Gonzalez, if you just take a look at that post you put out about you were going to do this Rewind podcast and you see the former players, former coaches, not just with the Cherokee, but with all those teams in the Central States League. I mean, look at those comments, how many guys are willing to come on and do this. And like I told you a little bit earlier, for you to select me to be the first one is – it's truly an honor, and it's my first podcast. Is it yours? Uh, no, no. Okay, I've, I've so done others, but uh, I'm uh, I'm appreciative of it, and I, you know, you and I will be friends to forever. Yes, we will. That's what that's what matters the most to me is the friendship because that's what tie. I always say hockey is the tie that binds, but it's what also binds the friendship. So, and it and it is that's the reason we're still here. So, Kenny, I appreciate you taking the time to come out here on a hot summer evening and doing this uh just for you guys out there to know we're going to be putting out podcasts every, i'm going to try i mean i'm about 99 percent sure but i'm going to be putting out podcasts every saturday and every wednesday so it's not going to be um, it's all going to be random there's not good the only one that was specifically picked was kenny and that was to do that because i wanted him to be the first but i'm going to have players from different eras different times guys that spent four years guys that only spent one year you know just it doesn't matter it's just going to be guys that spent time in a tc uniform or competed against the uh, cherokee because i'm sure i'll have a couple of guys on here that'll do that too that have some great memories of their time playing against us so i look forward to doing all that kenny thanks for doing this buddy all right thanks for having me out mick i really appreciate it well so do i so i do and so for kenny miller jr here I am Mick, and we will talk to you again next time. You've been hanging out here with us here on Cherokee Rewind, part of the Toledo Sports Network.